Hello and welcome to Pals Pulls, the Comics Pals Review Show. This is your edition for June 7th. I am your host, Sean, joined this week by Kale. What's up, hot dogs? And Tyler. Uh, hi, guys. Hi. Sorry, I was going to start talking about something completely irrelevant, but I don't want to ruin the flow. Good, good. That's better habits. Yeah. Uh and uh, speaking of habits, apparently we're in the habit of reviewing five books on this podcast because uh, this week we've got another batch of five. We've got Flash number 800, Ooh. huge milestone. Oh, you got the Michael Cho variant. I was torn between this and the David Nakayama cover. Nakayama's great, yeah. But I just loved this one. I just thought it was super cool. It's got three generations of the Flash, so Classic. I really like that. Yep. Um, Batman 136, a new arc for Chip Zdarsky's Batman. Immortal X-Men number 12. Keeping it trucking with the Immortal X-Men. Uh, the, the listener pick Victor this week. Loki number one, and of you know course. I had to get. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know I had to get the 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 woman Loki cover because this is just tremendous. This is art germ. You know they I got mean. the woman Loki Marvel Legends action figure, right, Sean? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, mason uh, jars that fit it too. Wow. And then uh, we also got uh, Sins of the Salton Sea number one, a uh, an. A, an AWA book, maybe our first here on the show. I think so. I was, yeah. I know Marco reads them, but I don't think we've talked about them. Yeah, I don't think so yet. So, um, this will be a first, and I'm excited to talk about that book for sure. Let's, uh, let's kick it off with Flash 800 right away. Huge milestone. Um, and in this, we get several stories, uh, five different stories, um, from some of the Flash's. You know, biggest writers, uh, some of the biggest creators who have worked on The Flash. Um, so first up is Don't Come to Central City, written by Jeremy Adams, of course, who is this is basically his swan song with Flash. He is off um, and uh, will be um, will be replaced by the last creative team that we'll be talking about. But uh, so this was written by Jeremy Adams with pencils by Fernando Passerin, inks by uh, Claire Albert. Colors by Matt Herms, letters by Rob Lay. And, you know, this is a this is an interesting one because I like the premise of this story more than the execution. Hmm. I really like the idea of the Flash chasing a villain through throughout time. I think that's a really interesting way to showcase his powers, and I've never quite seen it done this way. Um but it's such a small kind of whatever story that it kind of doesn't serve the concept too well. I, I actually uh, go on, Kel. You're the, yeah. you're the flash guy out of us. So. Well, I was going to say, I, I don't know. I, I think it um, for the purposes of this story, I think it does really well because like what would the payoff of, you know, the Flash chasing this guy through time be. You know, in this story, it's very specifically well, he stole candy from a baby. That's how much the Flash cares. A longer story than, you know, eight pages is, that's not going to be good. I, gotta I don't think so. That, that lollipop, but, okay, too, that lollipop must be vile. Uh, just out yeah. there in the open, just 
Ugh. I actually um, enjoyed the first story. It, it felt like um almost got him the uh the Batman animated series episode with the villains yeah. around like a poker table. There's an another another one very similar where a bunch of kids are sitting around mm-hmm. uh and we see it's the closest thing we get to like the Dark Knight uh Batman in the animated series universe. One of the kids, I think, is supposed to be Carrie Kelly, too. Interesting. Yeah, I actually thought it was kind of fun. Uh, it was, honestly, I think my favorite Jeremy Adams Flash story I've read so far. I haven't read much, to be honest, but um, I enjoyed it. It, 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 show, it also did a good job of showing what makes the Flash different than everyone else. Yeah. As a superhero. So, that was good. I thought the, the, it was a passer in on art, right, Sean, for that first one? Yep. That was very good. It was very good art. He, did, he has a good Joker, I gotta say. Uh, I know the bug-eyed bandit was there, Kale. Could you name, like, those are, like, D-list characters at that no. table. I couldn't no, name I anyone couldn't. else. No. Yeah, um, that was quite a roundtable of irrelevancy. The, um, the, the wizard is Mordru? Is that who it was? M- Mordru, yeah. That was the only one that was named, I think. He's, he, uh, he's still around in the Legion of Superheroes time. And like he's got a whole Kang sort of thing, you know, a big cyclical. Um, he turns into a great big grand wizard, you know, that fights the Legion and uh, is mad that it's a bunch of teenagers. Anyway, I looked at one of the, one of the characters is a fadeaway man, and I know Condiment King was in this. So like a whole bunch of just really bad villains. Yeah. So it kind of played to my the things I like. Yep, cute little story. Um. Up next was an impulse story, uh, The Max in the Mirror. This one was written by Mark Wade mm-hmm. with pencils and inks by Todd Knock, colors by Matt Herms, letters by Rob Lay once again. Um, and this one was fun. It's, you know, impulse is impulsive. And uh, he's the only one who can save the Flash and uh, this other guy who I have no idea who he is. Max Mercury. Oh, Max Mercury. Yeah. This was like a time um, machine reading this book. This 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 story. Yeah, this was my wheelhouse. Yeah. The funny thing is that it starts with an editor's note that says this story takes place between Impulse six and seven. Yes, Impulse used to have his own book. Ask your parents, as if the people buying this copy of the comic book aren't the same people that were buying it when Impulse had a comic book. They, well, technically, they, ask your parents. Well. There are no kids reading this book because the parents can't afford it because they're buying this comic book. Yeah. Um, I like this a lot. I, I like I like Mark Wade's Wally West. It feels distinct. Where I feel like Wally's been a lot more serious in more modern times. Um he's just freaking out this whole story. I loved it. Yeah, early impulse stories were basically um it was it was impulse running around doing just absolutely anything and Wally being as far away as he possibly could be. He did not want impulse around. He was the worst superhero mentor. And wasn't impulse sort of like I know his name is Bart, but he always felt like Bart Simpson in a way too. Like I'm sure there's kind of mischievous, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's easy to believe. 
Um, the art's real good. Uh, yeah, I think the uh-huh. art really suited this particular story. Todd Knock, uh, he did the Star Girl, the Lost Children mini with Jeff Johns. So it makes sense that he would be, you know, in this telling a story about, you know, the youngest of, well, not, I guess not the youngest of the Flash family, but one of the, the kids in the Flash family. Um, and I thought he brought that that chaotic energy of impulse, just not being able to control himself. But then also he really nailed Wally's like desperation and absolute annoyance at impulse, just not doing what he's being asked to do. So really, really good art. It made it reading that story. It was like, man, I kind of miss when it was like one and done stories, you know? Um, I say that, and then I'll read, you know, their Hickman book, and I'll be like, "All right, cool." <laughs> but yeah, this is maybe nostalgic for this particular period of DC books. Um, well, let's talk about the next story. This is uh, so this one is Flash Family, uh, written by Josh Williamson, pencils and inks by Carmine Di Giandomenico. Uh, colors by Ivan Placencia and letters once again by Rob Lay. Um, listen, we've all been there, you know. You want to just go out and have a a nice little date, you know, no problems. Um, things don't always work out the way you want, you know. You want to run through one run through reality or something like that, and things just don't go the way you want. Um, it's a nice little story by Josh Williamson. Who actually? This was one of my favorites um, because. This one, sorry, this was the one about Barry, right? Yeah, this yeah. one was about Barry, Barry and Iris. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Little date night. Yeah. yeah, I was confused about this one. I have a lot of complaints about this one, but okay. Sean, my go ahead and talk about what you like. Go ahead. What are your complaints? My, my confusion was I am not familiar with Barry's and Iris's future children, so. When they had their date night and they go to the future and they're hugging, I thought they were swinging with <laughs> interdimensional versions of themselves. <laughs> I was very confused. Yeah. That's not a bad way to do it, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not cheating, right? It's still you. It's just from a different multiverse, you know? Um, that's what I thought was happening. And then my brain was like, okay, no. That's ludicrous. Why would that ever be in a DC comic? And then I looked it up and I found out this was like Don and uh, uh Don and Don. Yeah, like yeah, the 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 kids of Barry and Iris. And I was like, oh, okay, got it. Seeing them as grown adults was a little weird because yeah. I'm, I'm like, oh, these people know each other really well. Um, yeah, I it was it was weird. I do like Carmine DiGiomenico a lot though. Uh, so I it was cool to see that. Um, technical issue. Can you bring someone with you on the cosmic treadmill? I'd imagine you have to carry him. I, yeah, that's that's what he did. But I feel like I don't who's know. Right, I don't, I don't who's know. writing? Like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So this this anniversary issue is supposed to be, I think it says, yeah, on the cover, a celebration of Wally West. Oh, true. Yeah. And they have this story about Barry in the middle of it, and really all it served. Uh, all it really did to me was highlight how irrelevant Barry is right now. Because he's got he's got a ton of history, but what's he doing right now? 
they uh, even mention it too in the in the villains uh, story in the first one. They're like, oh, right, there's this other Flash, and they were talking about Barry. Yeah. Barry is considered the other Flash now. Um, well, we we don't need Barry, and that's kind of the problem, right? Like, yeah. You don't need to have two flashes who are essentially in the same stage of their life. It doesn't make sense. And the DC universe got along just fine before they resurrected uh, Barry. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. This this story very particularly uh, uh, made me think of all my arguments in Flashpoint about how Barry he's better off dead. Yeah. Um. All of all of the the history of Barry Allen and Iris and the kids in the future, it all you know uh, has circled back around so many times in the past thirty years through Wally's stories, and those stories actually serve Barry better. It's unfortunate because I don't like Wally. Um, I was conditioned by Tom King to dislike the character, and so now I just don't like him. I like yes. Barry. I'll, I'll give you that one. <laughs> yeah, you, you got the short end of the stick on that. Yep. Did you, you saw that TikTok I mean about Wally, right? Yo? I saw it, but I don't think I got it. Okay. Never, okay. Yes. No, no, no Wally hate in this house. I did, yeah, I did get that part. Okay. Yeah, I'm a Wally guy. All right, so let's talk about Blitz Back, which is the Jeff John story with art by Scott Collins, colors by Luis Guerrero, and letters by Rob Lay. Um, this one is not about Wally or Barry. Uh, it's about Zoom. And I am confused. Yes, I knew you would be. Because I don't understand who this is. I thought Professor Zoom was Zoom, and the, I guess that's not true. So Yobert Thawne is Barry Allen's reverse flash. Yeah. He is reverse flash. Technically Zoom. Uh, Hunter Zolomon is Wally's reverse flash. This is Professor Zoom. Uh, and his story's a little more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> well, on purpose. Yeah. You know, the the, the whole point is that the the you know uh, Jeff back in the day Jeff wanted to echo the reverse flash very specifically with Hunter Zolomon and I'm pretty sure that's even like uh, uh, a thing with his character um so you know he became the antithesis of Wally's flash which was zoom hmm um, and he was arguably more, uh, definitely more violent, arguably more effective, uh, hit or miss. And I always thought that the only way you could really tell who's who, like if you stood Zoom versus Reverse Flash next to each other, was the eyes, right? Like that. I think it's the eyes, and if I remember correctly, Zoom doesn't, uh, he can't stand still. Oh, he's got ADHD. If I remember right. When you say Zoom, you're referring to this character. Yes. And when you say Reverse Flash, you're referring to the one that Barry deals with. Yeah. Okay, got it. Cool. Um, Top Lane says, really good job on the Flashpoint Book Club. Enjoyed it a lot. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Um, I enjoyed this story actually quite a bit. 
I I liked it a lot. I, I, I even though I clearly am confused, that has more to do with the fact that there's two characters who look the same and have the essentially the same name. But I enjoyed this as kind of a, a I guess a retelling of his origin or an explanation. And I, I, I made me want to see what's going to happen next with this guy. And I assume that we'll see him again in the next Flash ongoing. And so that's kind of incentive for me to want to read it, even though we do have the last story to talk about. Did you say, say uh, assume instead of assume? I said assume. I thought you said assume, and I thought <laughs> I, I was proud of you. I was like, that's a you know what, like. You know what happens when you assume? Yeah. Uh, you make a reverse flash out of Professor Solomon. Um, the I just want to mention the Scott Collins art on that that Jeff Johns thing. That splash page. Oh man, that's yeah. Scott, uh, Scott Collins to me is uh, this era of Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite Francis Manipal by a million times, but Scott Collins is like he's got that history for me. Something about a Scott Collins face too, like the head shape and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the art was was really strong, um, and I, I I just I love how they even put his uh, put Zoom's logo within the panels at times. Uh, here's an example. I'm holding it up if you're watching us live, but uh, you can see it there. The like lightning bolt just burned into the panels. There, really really cool effect. Um, it's like how if the Flash is running and you see you know himself behind him and the lines and all that this feels more aggressive and it feels more like a threat almost and i think it's really cool that they were able to nail that um via the art just that just that change um helped to sell this this guy as a as a badass so really good job on that one uh next mm-hmm. Is as I as I said earlier, the last story between Love and You, which is written by Cy Spurrier, pencils and inks by Mike Diodato Jr., colors by Trish Mulville, um, and letters by Hassan Atman Alhal. This is the future of the Flash. This is the the uh, incoming creative team for the character. They're starting next issue, right? Hmm. And uh, for me, I, I, I'll just say this. I turned from the first page of the story onto the next page of the story, and I was bombarded by dialogue boxes. Yeah. Bombarded by narration. There's just, there's just no way. I mean, it's there's like just no you. way. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. That's why that's why I don't want to read this next iteration of the Flash. I I don't want this. And look at every page except the single splat, the single page splash. It, like it works with certain characters. Like I think it worked with Hellblazer cuz John Constantine is a chatty Cathy. I have a theory about this and it's something I realized as I was reading this. I I think Cy Spurrier, at least in his writing, needs to, he has this feeling of needing to be the smartest person in the room. Hmm. And that works with some characters, like Constantine, 
But with characters like Nightcrawler or Wally West, it very much doesn't. Uh, everything, every te- uh, text box in this issue, I had a massive problem with. Because what the fuck is Wally talking about? This dude is a mechanic. He works on cars. Literally, that's his occupation. Like, why would he know any of this? He's not Barry. He's not Barry. And I also had an issue with the other the other premise of this story being that um, him and uh, well, what's his what's his girlfriend wife's name? Is it Laura? Linda. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she they're going on a date and she doesn't want him to use his powers. Uh, so he lies to her and does it anyway. And then when she catches him, lies again. And I'm like, that doesn't feel like Wally to me, you know? Yeah, that's one of those speedster things that I could forgive. You're lying? <laughs> well, because like, oh, how, would, how would she know? Like, yeah. You know, she blinks and he's still there. Like, he literally moves between the, the takes Well, it was second. the people that were all just, you know, falling over because he tripped or something on his way in. Yeah, I mean, like that. But uh, that's not that's that's not meant to be taken seriously. That's you know. I was I still because the whole issue was serious, or the whole story was serious. I didn't. I took it at face value for what it was. All right. Well, lying aside, um, I had a problem with the fact that allegedly that all all this takes place in a flash, and there's absolutely no chance in hell that Barry had time to think all these thoughts because there was just so many thoughts he was having. <laughs> My man was having a, a five pages worth of thoughts. Uh, he had the time to fight some kind of crazy enhanced mirror master uh, and bring him to jail or whatever. And I just don't buy it. I don't buy that that all happened that fast. Maybe I shouldn't read flash books because when I read like the last two uh, flash stories I've read was this and the one minute war. And neither one of them made any sense within the context of the idea of the flash's powers. So I don't get it. Um, Outside of, I assume reading this for pals pulls, I just can't see myself getting up for it. I like both creators. So I or less than Mike Diodato, but the, I just, this pairing doesn't make sense to me. And I'm a Diodato guy, you know, like Thunderbolt, yeah. one of my favorite runs of all time. Uh, but he, it, he's not a Flash artist, you know? I I liked the art. I liked what Diodato was doing. And I liked the panel, the panel work. Um, But yeah, it, it felt stiff. And I think that contributes a lot to that feeling of that Sean's describing is, you know, it, this book doesn't feel fast. No. no. You know, if it was, yeah. I mentioned Manipal earlier, my, for me, top, top tier, you see the, the streaks and the, you know, the panel work that everything feels fast. Uh, whereas this felt like a Twilight Zone episode in the bad way. It almost felt like I was looking at individual frames of a Zoe trope that wasn't moving, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, Overall, 
this is a good issue, a good, um, not anniversary, but good milestone issue. Um, and I think for the price, six bucks, Atomic Hound said it earlier in chat, this is a great value because you're getting, by and large, some pretty solid stories overall. Um, if you're a Flash fan, can't really go wrong, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It's quality. Yeah, I thought that, like, I, I typically do not care for anniversary or annual Same. or, you know, these kind of things. Um, I really enjoyed this. Uh, as I'm thinking back on it, I think it's my pick of the week, honestly. Mm. Um, might be mine. Weird. I've got a couple of contenders, actually. It, it is weird because I would, would not have said that before I had read it. You know, I would not have guessed that would have been it. Uh, but I, I genuinely really like this. Yeah, I. Uh, this is an easy pull. Easy yeah. pull. Yeah. You could, this is the kind of thing you could hand anybody with a vague familiarity of the flash and they would eat it up. If you're excited now for size barrier and Mike Deodato juniors flash run, let us know. Um, are you, are you looking forward to it? Did this make you long more for old flash creative teams instead of the new one? What are you feeling about this? Uh, while you're thinking, think about us, think about the comics pals. There are a lot of ways that you can support us. The best way to do that is through patreon.com slash the comics pals. We have a lot of stuff on offer there for everybody who decides that they want to help us grow. Um, we've got an exclusive show over there called Palling Around. You get to vote in the book club poll. Uh, this month's was Flashpoint. So that book club is out now if you want to check that out. Um, and you get a nickname and a, a shout out on the show. You get a lot of stuff. So head on over to patreon.com and uh, slash the comics pals and check it out. If you want to watch this show live next week, it will be Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, normally Thursday. But next week, Wednesday, we're going to be watching The Flash. So we got to do this on Wednesday. Um, so come here, Twitch, YouTube, wherever it is you watch us um, next Wednesday. For Pals Pulse, Saturdays at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern for the main show. Social media, of course, at the Comics Pals. Join us on Discord, where we're always having great conversations. We love when you guys join us. Our Discord blew up a little bit earlier when the Ultimate Comics line announcement was made. So we'll be talking about that on the main show, rest assured, of course. That should be a lot of fun. Let's talk Batman. Batman 136, the start of a new arc, but still written by Chips Darsky with art by Belen Ortega, colors by Tamu Moray, letters by Clayton Cowles. So the, the last arc ended in a big way. Batman's back where he's supposed to be. He's been rescued. Um, But... Has he been rescued? Because Batman's still in a lot of trouble. And with that trouble came what I think is the best single issue of this run yet. And one of my favorite issues of Batman in general in many, many years. This was phenomenal. I, I love when Bruce Wayne has anxiety, like visible anxiety. Because mm -hmm. I think Bruce is a hard character to relate to at times. Purposely so. He's supposed to be this, uh, 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 I guess, uh, force of nature, really. Um, 
And in this, like, this dude has PTSD visible from a recent event that we read. Um, and you can see him fighting with himself. I really enjoyed it. I thought that was great. And the Bell and Ortega art, she did some killer stuff on this. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Batman's traumatized from being sent into another dimension. My man lost his hand. He fought the Joker across the multiverse. He encountered another version of Alfred, which broke his heart, but also kind of inspired him. He fought another version of Selena, who betrayed him. Um, he's not sure of himself. He knows that Zoran R the fail-safe version of Batman in his mind is still there and still has influence. And as shakes Bruce, it's causing him to distance himself and alienate himself from his family. And I love, I mean, not like the alienation from family has been done to death, but I love that here it's coming from a place of his own weakness yeah being scared that he can't actually protect them from the biggest enemy they could ever possibly face himself. I I also like that Chip doesn't Chip doesn't necessarily f- force the family on him but instead like he does what family does is they show up at his house and they cook for him to say, no, we're here. It's cool. Right. You know, instead of the annual Bruce and Nightwing fight, you know, where they have to remind each other that they're father and son or whatever. Yeah, it's not the family fighting as much as an internal struggle struggle with Bruce himself. Mm. Um, and I think that's what makes it feel different than what we're used to. Um, I like that. Um, Sean, how do you feel about Zeranar really being positioned as a villain, really? It's such an interesting wrinkle. And I think that what we're seeing now is the reason why Chip Zdarsky wanted so badly to write Batman. Because if I remember correctly, he said that he had an idea for the character that he was dying to to write. And I think this is the idea. It's taking the Zeranar you know, version of Batman, as was elaborated on by Morrison and, you know, turning it around a little bit and looking at it from a different angle. And to me, that's the skill of dealing with continuity, you know, and of dealing with characters and things that maybe have run their course or don't fit. He's finding a way to make this concept fit and it feels good. It feels right. A lot of times I'm against that type of stuff. Don't mess with what Grant did. Because you can't do it better than them. And I don't think Chip's trying to. It's just a different angle. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very surprised at how comfortable this glove fits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, like the Zernar thing, I didn't even question it. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, for me to say that makes sense, a, an alternate persona that can turn itself on and makes fail safes and has his own Batcave under the Batcave, like, it's bonkers. But I was like, yeah, no, that tracks. You know what it reminds me of is there's been this story floating around uh, about the uh, the AI that uh, is 
like so several steps ahead that when uh you know it goes out to kill his target and uh the pilot says okay kill this target when the pilot says don't kill this target the ai turns on the pilot yeah yeah i saw that whoa that's that's what this reminds me of if it weren't for uh that coming out you know like two weeks ago i would uh i would be like oh i see where this comes from yeah yeah and i and i love that i love the idea that the fail safes that bruce created for himself are turning on him i think that's just such a such a brilliant idea for a guy that we know has like literally backup personalities Literally backup personalities. You know, that can't be good. I mean, my my man, yeah. that, that has to go wrong in some way. And I love that Chip is analyzing that. Um, and by the way, Nightwing was there. Yes. Um, Robo, our, uh, top lane, I think, asked. Yeah, he was there. Um, the art is fantastic. I know you guys touched on it a little bit, but uh, it's so, so good. And it does remind me of um, Jorge Jimenez, who was on the book before, but... Um, I believe, but yeah. this is just yeah. this is just tremendous art. I really love whenever uh Batman was fighting with um the the son of um of the penguin mm. and he breaks his wrist, and there's that moat that panel where Batman's almost kind of like, oh shit. <laughs> like, or at least that's yeah. how I took it. I don't know if you guys took it like that. Oh, that vertical one on the left. Yeah, side. yeah. Where it's yeah, like, yeah, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then he's like, consider this a warning, you know, because it's worth remembering that you know the world thinks that Batman killed the Penguin. So he was just at Margaritaville, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope he's that's leaning what the into it. It might be. He, he he runs the one on Forty Second Street, but um, good one, good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also get a little bit of uh, Bruce and Catwoman or Selena. What's their What's their actual status? Are they married? Or they're aren't not they married? married. No, uh, they're, they're never not. Been very totally confused. Yeah. They're They're not. I don't think they're anything. I think they're will they won't they. It's okay. and yeah, we're back it's what that. we call a right. situationship nowadays. Can I can I can I rant real fast? Ooh, I, I just okay. I just want to get on my soapbox real fast. Okay. Right. As of course my camera uh, yeah. gets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So one second, because that's really bothering me. Okay. Thank you. My problem is, and this is with fans. What is different? about the dynamic of Bruce and Selena and Mary Jane and Peter Parker. Nothing, except that they physically fight sometimes. They're in a will-they-won't-they they stage that will never end. They're not going to actually get married. We got as close as we're ever going to get with the Tom King run. It ain't happening, okay? And it's not different. They're it's in the more, same situation. It feels more like Black Cat and, and Peter, but... How? I mean, literally, it's a burglaring cat-themed villain, you know, <laughs> turned anti-hero. Sure, but the difference is that this is the the love of Bruce, whereas Black Cat is not the love of Peter. I I I'm I don't care about these two, to be honest. <laughs> like, 
I I don't care. I never really liked the idea of them together anyways. Um, I like the idea of her as a villain and a temptress, someone who can sometimes switch to the right side of things, but mostly does what she wants, and that's cross for Batman. I don't like the idea of them together. Them together is always a, a abusive in some form or way, whether they're physically fighting or they're just, you know, Catwoman leaves and Batman questions life and gets his butler killed, you know, like um it's like the the that Jersey Shore couple. Uh this is a, a reference that I think it's lost on. I can never tell when Sean's frozen or not. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, we all know Bruce belongs with uh Wonder Woman anyway. So <laughs> gross. Wait, whoa. Tom King said that they were that 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 the Trinity are siblings. So you're talking about incest kale. Uh, and that's Tom, against terms of service. Ultimate DC Tom universe. King also ruined uh my favorite speedster, so he can go fuck. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to hurt our chances of getting him on the show. Well, that being he said, should be making I think, I think Batman honestly works better as like a vol cell. I want him to be like just pent up frustration that he takes down the mentally ill and poor, you know? I'm going to ignore that and talk about <laughs> probably my favorite panel of the week, which was the Bat mm. Family cooking. Pancakes. Yeah. It reminded me of the Wayne Family Adventures webtoon. Yep. Yep. And, you know, I didn't like that, but I like this. I like this as a moment, and I think it was an excellent moment um, that this issue needed particularly because of the last panel of the story, which is them burning. Yeah. One of my other favorite panels of the week. Bruce's expression in that is so good. Horror. Yeah. Horror. 6.20 a.m., the mind of Bruce Wayne (laughs) as a location. I I love it. (laughs) I love it. What a great comic. This was... I have a very hard time saying what my pick of the week is because one of the other books we're going to talk about was just so unbelievably good that I'm really torn. But this was one of my favorite Batman issues in many, many, many years. And I love yeah. it so much. It feels like Chip Zdarsky's run is finally starting. And I hope he doesn't leave after another arc or two. He's freeing up on Daredevil, so he has more time. Presumably. Uh, yeah, I don't know how long he's going to be. It feels like it's just rolling now but you know as as we say on this podcast let him cook mm-hmm. any quick thoughts on the backup fun Ooh, yeah. uh, a great look at sort of the rea- the the reality of uh zero and r and yes. like how it actually theoretically could work uh you know historically um, I was great. Oh, I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome backup. That really, it's one of those backups where it like actually helps the main story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just feel like something completely different. Um, excellent backup, and I think the backups in this entire run have been pretty solid overall. The last one we had was the Toy Man, uh, uh Tim trying to save Batman or trying to save Bruce, and he goes into that. Toy Man Land or whatever. I see. I, I didn't see that one. I only read the uh, the I think the beginning of that and then the end of that. Okay, uh, and I wasn't crazy about that. Yeah, 
Yeah. I want to tackle some some of the some of the comments before we move on to the next book. Uh let's see. Sean Cooking, you know it atomic hound. Um I would say the love of Bruce should be Talia, Julie Madison, Vicky Vale, or my pick Silver St. Cloud. Ah, those are the Bond girls of Batman. You know, those are the those are the Bond girls of Batman. Talia Talia is like the ultimate Bond girl of Batman. And she's just the one that got his kid. But will they ever end up together? Absolutely not. Um, They're going by Bond. The Bond girls what killed uh, what killed Bond. What do you mean? In uh, in the, the 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 latest Bond film. I haven't seen any of the Bond movies with Daniel Craig. This is the only one I've seen, so yeah. I this is all that's canon for me. It's that he dies because he gets a wife. <laughs> Who is my favorite love interest for Batman? Uh the answer is Gotham City. Mine's Alfred. Joel. Interesting. All right, so we talked about incest. Now we're talking about... Love can be in many different ways, Sean. Come on. Okay. All right, fine. That's what I get for reading the comments. Yep. Thank you to everybody (laughs) who is commenting and who is partaking with us, by the way. Appreciate you. Especially those of you we don't see that much. Thank you for for joining us. Quickly, uh, Toplane points out the the girl from Checkmate in the... um, the Batman murderer fugitive. I think her name's Sasha. Uh, from Greg Rucka and Ed Brubaker's murderer fugitive run. Tremendous, absolutely tremendous. If you haven't read Batman fugitive murderer, uh, Bruce Wayne murderer, Batman fugitive, you gotta read it. It's the I, best Batman story. I haven't. I have oh, not team. read it. You will. You especially will love it. I think I own it, but I I don't. I haven't read it. I got to get on that. Did you guys read? Immortal X Men number twelve. What was I supposed to? to. (laughs) I love the the dichotomy of your reactions. Um, Kieran Gillen wrote this, of course. Lucas Wernick on art. David Curiel on colors. Clayton Cowles on the letters. Look, some people love that we review the X Men comics. Some people don't. Some people find it to be boring. But the reason. Why I want to keep reading and reviewing the X-Men comics is for issues just like this. Okay, so what was it just me, right? This was pretty good. This was fucking incredible. Okay, all right. Okay, because okay. I, as I was thinking of what my poll for the week was, I kind of kept coming back to this. And it's not like, while I was reading it, I didn't like it that much. But I think it stuck with me more. Mm. I was taken out of this book. I did. I did have to take a break. I did check Twitter. No, I could not get past the lettering or the narration. Mm. And it literally just being a text box with Ariel bold. Yeah. Fucking Helvetica. (laughs) It was It literally, I, it took me out of the whole issue. I did not enjoy the issue because of it. That's so funny. And it was, it was also a little clearer than the rest of the actual text. And the, like, it literally looked like I was looking at baby's first lettering project. And I know it's because the writer is writing it. So theoretically it's supposed to maybe look like a word doc. I don't know. Put it in script, make them write in, you know, with a 
it really when lettering is not to my liking i can't stop looking at it when it's great i barely notice it <laughs> that's good lettering that's uh, the, yeah. the shame of lettering i don't disagree with the lettering but at the same time i guess i do disagree because it didn't take me out of the story sure no um, this is a totally a me thing yeah it in a weird way the fact that it was off like that felt thematic it felt yeah. like it was appropriate for it you know what's going on with colossus um top to bottom the dominoes are falling and this is the part that i imagine kieran gillen is so excited to write i imagine that the whole x office is excited that they're getting to progress the story of colossus and also the story of the quiet council let's talk about it for those of you who don't know this is a story that they've been telling for years. Colossus is not in control of his body anymore. Yeah. It's been taken. And there's a whole plot unfolding in X-Force, and I think Wolverine as well, that deals with what's happening with Colossus, with his brother, with this Russian nut who's controlling him from behind the scenes. And now we're seeing this whole all, this whole thing come to pass. If your jaw didn't drop at the end of eleven, when you, when it was revealed that Storm was giving her voting powers over to Colossus, you haven't been reading X Men. I will say it's nice to see Colossus be relevant. Uh, yeah. In a in a unique way, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I and and that's one thing that I absolutely praise this era of. X-Men stories for is finding interesting ways to tell stories with characters that don't necessarily involve them punching people in the face. Mm. I've been invested in Colossus's story the whole time. Yep. And I can't remember the last time he punched anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, even, even like the, uh, the night crawler uh, founding a religion, in theory, is right. You know, not to not to you know trash on a Cyspray on a book he's not even on, but like you know, in theory, that's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, th- go ahead. This issue also had probably my favorite post Hickman info dump page, uh, and it's the final page. Uh, yeah, where it just says, and I read it. He is trapped in a Russian novel. It is not a place for hope. Like that's all it is. First of all, it's great that I don't have to read that much, uh, but yeah. also it just it just works for the issue itself. I, I don't like that because it doesn't make any sense that that would be, you know, like who wrote that? What is that? Oh well, I assume yeah. it's the writer writing that the the Russian dude. But oh, is no. so why is it I on for Cohen? Yeah, I fi- I've I given up on that it's matter. Whoever's yeah, yeah writing all this baloney. Maybe he got some. Uh, maybe maybe Colossus brought him some. You know, uh, Krakoa paper that he's writing on. I didn't page count, but this felt like an expanded issue because they moved so fast, got through so much. I mean, within the first few pages, Celine is back. Celine is back. Shaw is 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 in full mode. He is at his manipulative, conniving peak right now. He stands to win 
he stands to win. The, the the deck is stacked. This is all this is all rigged. And it's so funny because everybody's obsessed with talking about how bad of a guy Professor X is. Meanwhile, you have a real douchebag, a real bad guy sitting right on the quiet council that no one can get rid of. This is real evil. This is these are the bad guys. The X-Men keep crossing each other and it's like wait a wait a minute you guys invited these motherfuckers to your doors they're sitting in your they're sitting on your couch their feet are up on your table uh, the call is coming from inside the house yes and, and they're also like and then uh and then mother righteous is also having her own mash oh my goodness so like i think i think Kroko is actually a great representation of of uh a of politics and that it eventually di- devolves into tribalism and becomes uh, uh, unusable. So, you know, only because of the players. Sure. O- sure. Only because these people are 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 insane and evil. Even even the characters who I guess well I consider Destiny to be a villain, but I know that that's not the that's not the common take. But look at what she's done. She has been working behind the scenes to ensure the survival of Mystique at the cost of everything else. That's not. Love. That's not heroism. That is villainy to me. It's controlling, but I still think even Mystique, you know, views the views it as some form of love. Um, there are a lot of toxic forms of love. I'm sure, we can talk about that if you want to. Selena, but and, uh, and Bruce. Yeah, I mean, to me, Destiny is just wrong here, and she's her machinations are leading Krakoa to doom, just like everybody else's. I'd, I'd wonder, like, who would we pick for, like, no, we're not going to do it now, but, like, I'm wondering, like, what is the correct council? Because <laughs> it's obviously not these guys. And I don't think it ever really was since Apocalypse left and Magneto left. I would argue if Apocalypse was still there, none of this shit be going down. I, I, 150%. Yeah. The, the OG council was fine. The problem started when Destiny joined. Well, when Apocalypse just, she joined Just like first? Moira said. Did she join first, or did, did Apocalypse join or uh, leave first? Apocalypse left, but the problem started when Destiny joined. Sure, yeah. This was a masterful, masterful issue. From Rasputin's presence and what she now is, she is like a super-powered uh, uh, amalgamation of several incredibly powerful um mutants some of whom are actually on the quiet council which i think is really funny she's like a bailiff now too yeah Yeah. when she when she peers into shaw's mind that whole interaction where he's like arrogantly like oh i'll know if you try to go where you're not supposed to and she's like dude i i could break your brain and have you sucking my toes and you wouldn't even know you know like that's how powerful she is and I love that they represented it in that way, where she doesn't have to kick anybody's ass. She's strong enough to subdue this guy, who, by the way, has been subdued and made the butt of jokes for several of the women in the X family. What's, what's that uh, Dolph Ziggler, uh, uh, Kofi Kingston promo? Should have been me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we had the Professor X uh, of it all. You know, him and Emma and Hope, that whole dynamic has been really fun and interesting uh, where they're like, okay, we really, really need to listen in on this conversation. 
<laughs> we need to know what's going on. They're not allowed to use their powers. That's the idea. Not um, because they could still have the sinister gene in them. So they're not allowed to use their powers. And I love the fact that they found a way around that. Um, and they still, you know, learn what's happening in the chambers. And uh, what's his name? I always forget his name. Uh, Ze- not Zealot. Um, he is a Zealot. Thank you. Exodus summoned Storm. Yeah. Which, a, another tremendous moment in a series of epic moments in this book. <laughs> she she came in and I went, okay. Finally. Finally. We're safe. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> here to set this straight. <laughs> <laughs> and I also like the, the the bit of this too that you know Colossus it, he obviously cannot fight against what he's being forced to do, but he's trying to do it in a way that would make people question him. And I like that nobody gets it because it's also like a weird meta take on like nobody's cared about a pop, uh, about Colossus recently. Like he's not been relevant, and in the textual sense, is nobody paid attention to him. Nobody really understands who he is anymore, and. It's almost the absence of him kind of drives the story in a way. I read it like they trust him. I read yeah. it like Blimey, he, because yeah. because he has so much goodwill for always being a good person. No one would believe that he had al- alternative motivations. And that's why he's the absolute best choice to infect the Quiet Council, because he's the one that everybody believes in. Although it's a little weird that Kitty still doesn't see what's wrong. Like, out of all the people. I feel like they've been broken up for a long time. Yeah, I though. guess so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But I, I, of the people, I think Kitty and Storm will be the ones to figure it out. Yeah. One, because, duh. But also, like, I think other than Nightcrawler, I think they're the two that probably know him the best. That would throw Wolverine in there too, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Um and then we see Mystique controlled by Mother Righteous just straight up stab destiny. She went like T T one thousand on her too. Oh my yeah. goodness. Oh my goodness. I didn't know she could do that. I I okay. guess I, I this is just my read because maybe I missed something, but I'm assuming that anyone who says Thank you to her. She has some type of thrall over, maybe. Hmm. Oh, uh, Mother Righteous? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I didn't know that. Uh, but I met Mystique. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't I don't I don't know about the that I had never seen Mystique do that myself. It's also nice to see, like, with this run on Immortal X-Men um, and Lucas Wernick's previous stuff on a, a Trial of Magneto, um, an actual, like, growth. And, like, he's just yeah. getting better at telling an interior story. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, it, it's it's cool to see that in real time. Yeah. Yeah, he is leveled up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Philosopher King says, yes, if you say thank you to Mother Righteous, she can call in a favor from you through her magic. Yeah. Oh. Which is the impression that this issue gives. So that makes absolute sense. Um, we saw in the prior issue, I believe it was, where Mystique said thank you to her, to Mother Righteous, and she called in that favor now. So that's nuts. 
all in all, an absolutely phenomenal issue of Immortal X-Men. I think this has to be my pick of the week just because it had me on my toes, twists and turns. And, you know, at the heart of it, you know, a character who, you know, Colossus is just a lost man. Like he just cannot, he's not in control of himself anymore. That's horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. I think think I'm saving my pick of the week. Wait, rolling it over next week? (laughs) We still have two more books, Doug. Yeah. And I think you're going to be surprised about which one it is. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Definitely a pull, though. Uh, uh, If you're into Immortal X-Men and have been following it, this is great. It was a good issue. I was just very distracted. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So I'm distracted by this cover of Loki number one. Hey, it's very good. Uh, Art Germ, of course, is a tremendous artist. Dan Waters is a writer that I am very interested in and have been wondering, is he tremendous? He's joined by Jermaine Peralta, who is tremendous. And you know who else is tremendous? Mike Spicer, who did the, the colors on here. Travis Lanham's pretty good, too. So overall, we're looking at a very solid creative team that I think succeeds in every way except for the part where I could not stand the narration. Oh, interesting. I got it. I thought it was an interesting device. It's the boat narrating, just like the gun in Nas's I Give You Power. I love that. It's a great, interesting idea. I just couldn't bring myself to care about it. And I really don't like narration boxes that tell me exactly what I'm looking at. I, I uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I thought this was fine. I just cannot, for the life of me, enjoy handsome modern Loki in the comic. Like, yeah. I just yeah. can't get past it. Kid Loki, fine. It's different enough. Fem- uh, Lady Loki, sure. Love it. Just give me, give me like old, ugly, prone Loki again. I just, and then like, it's just, it feels like Tumblr kind of at the time uh, manifested this and it's stuck with Marvel. Um, This handsome Loki. And it's just, I don't care for him. Uh, I feel like nobody ever really knows how to write him in terms of his motivations. Um. And I feel like they write him and he doesn't know his motivations either, you know, which I think is a distinctly non-Loki thing. Um, I think it's fine that we don't know, but I think Loki always knows the end game, um, which is hard to do when he's this protagonist, really. Um, that being said, I thought it was a fine issue for what it was. I really like the Peralta art. I actually have Peralta commission on my wall up here. Um, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I came to the book for Peralta. So, um, and I think I think it leaves it in a good spot for like, oh, OK, I can see where the story goes. You know, I can see we, we go, you know, an issue for each shard of the ship. There's a nice trade right there. So I like how the 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 form of the story is, is right in front of me, too. Hmm. Uh, I actually think this is my pick of the week. Whoa. Yeah. Big fan of Florida, yeah. man. 
I, uh, I, in general, I really agree with you. I don't like Dean Loki, Tumblr Loki. Um, I, uh, I find him very annoying. I find Tom Hiddleston very annoying. But I feel like the stuff you complain you you were talking about, Tyler. Uh, I feel like Waters sort of pivots that in this issue by having the narration be the souls of the, you know, the um, uh, the the boat, and that boat, guys, that boat is the most disgusting thing I've ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it smells like corn chips. That boat. Oh. I recently watched Cronenberg's The Fly for the first time. Oh, oh I can't pass that scene. And that was the thing that made me go, I'm going to throw up. So, um, yeah, the boat is made of nails, like figuring, human beings' yeah. nail clippings. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and not just clippings, by the way. The It's the full nail. Okay, yeah. Um. But the uh, yeah, I like I like the the premise that uh, Loki has to chase these uh, artifacts. I think that's you know a fine enough engine. I'll be interested to see what Waters does to make them interesting. Um, I like I like that you know the one became you know a cool axe. Down with that. Um, the thing. Is I I didn't peg the narration sort of telling you every single thing, but I can definitely see that being grading. It didn't bother me here, but I think if I don't have the space for it, especially now that I know it, I think it's really gonna get to me. But mm. Uh, for now, the uh, the premise, the engine, and the um, the way all this plays out, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and the art, and the art was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, the art is the art is top notch. Um, I enjoyed this issue, but I cannot follow this series. Um, and the reason is because I generally don't like stories in which the main character is a villain because there's really not, I don't care about Loki. And even if I did, even if I enjoyed him tremendously as a villain, I still would not want to read this because I don't want to get into his mind. I don't really care what he's thinking about if it's not disrupting the Avengers. Um, or Thor or something like that. I'm only interested in him, in him in the context of his villainous exploits. So whatever this is going to evolve into, I'm sure it'll be a nice action or adventure story. I cannot, I don't invest myself in it. I'm not interested in it. I don't care about Loki. Yeah, and that that's another thing going forward. That if they pivot to being, uh. You know, obviously it's a Loki-centric book, but the narration coming from Loki, I'm out. I yeah, like you say, I am not interested in that. Yeah, yeah, I just 
everything about this is 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 solid and enjoyable um but i i i'm not here for loki as a as a main character so um i will say pull if you can tolerate that <laughs> like if that doesn't bother you if you like loki of which of course a lot of people love loki then you know you'll probably have a good time with this yeah it's yeah, nice if- i think if if you're into the uh the general thor stuff and you you know and you can handle loki you'll probably like this it's nice to see them putting out a book in time for a tv show like be great if we had i don't know a miss marvel book at the time when miss marvel was a tv show you know but at least some corporate synergy happening there was a Ms. Marvel book when there was a TV show. Oh, there was a team-up book, right? Yeah. When, yeah. Uh, when does the TV show come out? Is it still coming out? Loki is, yes. August. It is coming out. Oh, wow. I think August or September, one of those. I'm not sure when, but it, I, it's it's definitely a show that will be released. Yes. And I'm sure that by the time it is out, this whole thing will be probably collected and yeah. people will be able to yeah. go out and get it and all that good stuff. Um. Yeah, so I I again pull if you like Loki. Otherwise, eh. I mean it's a good story. It's there's nothing wrong with it, but art's good too. Yeah, the art is very good. All right, and the last book is Sins of the Salton Sea. Ed Brisson, a fan of alliteration. <laughs> this is uh, this is an AWA book by the aforementioned Ed Brisson with art by C. P. Smith, letters by Hassan Atmein El Hal. Um, and it's it's uh, art and colors by C.P. Smith. Um, so I never heard of the Sultan Sea before. Yeah. Uh, had you you had kale or no? No. No. Okay. Where is it? California. Okay. You didn't read the the back matter. I did not read the back matter. No, I'm real bad at reading back matter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kale. That's why he liked the 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 one page, yeah, the one exactly. sentence back matter at the end of uh, mortal. Mortal X Men. You want me to read just yeah. words? Psh. It's it's different on a indie book. Like, come on. What? I, if you want me to read just words, I'd be reading the good book right now. So, to spare you the details of what the the Sultan Sea is, if you want to know more, certainly you should read the comic book. Um, I I at least this is a pull for me. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but to spare you all the details, it's a dangerous place. It's a place where crime is 50% higher than the rest of the world. So a lot of dirty people do their dirty deeds in the Salton Sea. And it's, and a, it's a real place, too, yes, by the way. Right. Yes, it is a real place. Um, and this book takes place there. It's about a guy, you know, a very typical um, framing. A guy who's, you know, doesn't want to live a life of crime anymore, just wants to vanish off the face of the earth, gets pulled back in to do one last job that's going to make him and his brother rich. They do the job, and it doesn't go the way they thought it would. You know, how many stories have you read or watched that are exactly like that? Well, the devil's in the details. And I thought the details of this were really good. Um, I think Ed Brisson is great at writing, you know, protagonists in crime stories who aren't necessarily good people but they try and they don't want to do the bad things that they ultimately have to do 
Um, that's the kind of character that I know him for. You know, the violent is, you know, a lot like that. It's a lot like this um, in certain aspects. And yeah, he does a great job here. Um, it moves quickly. We go from the story just being focused on him to him and his brother to assembling a team to that going to hell. Like a lot happens in this first issue. Yeah, it's and it, it it it's really well paced. Yeah, I agree. Like it didn't feel rushed, but it didn't feel slow. Um, it all felt good. There was no pinballing, which I would expect. Like like yeah. as Sean listed out everything that happened in this single issue. Um, I didn't feel like I was getting thrown around all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt right. Every page did its job, really. And it it didn't suffer the way image number ones typically do, in that the you know they lay out the premise for the trade. You know right. this one, like this one. There's a very clear line of action. And then, ooh, wait, this is interesting. Uh, whereas image image number ones tend to kind of meander on and expect you to stick around for the first trade. It's whereas the, the trade actually sets the premise rather than the first issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. I was they, getting re- real yeah. Sicario vibes from this, which is a great movie, by the way. Um, but like this, this group of ragtag, you know... Um, I guess opposite of Sicario, really, but these are, I guess, criminals trying to do the, the the last the last heist, which usually is the story, you know. Um, and and we're done with that in the, in the first seventy five percent of this issue of the first issue, you know. And then we just then it's really the fallout of the last heist, um, and the person that was you know pulled into it from all that. Um, I liked it. I thought I'm, I'm traditionally a big big Ed Brisson fan, so um, his style of writing just works for me, and this this did it. For me as well. The art also did it for me. Um, it's pretty simple and clean to the point. It has the, I guess, gritty is not necessarily the word that I'm looking for. Um, Grounded? Yeah, that's better. That's definitely better than what I said. Um, but it fits. It, yeah. it it fits the vibe of the book certainly, um, and I like that. It's simplistic and it 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 does what it needs to do. Um, I bought in on the scenes, for lack of a better phrase, like yeah. the 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 action scene sequences. I bought into all that. Um, I feel like there's a lot of good perspective. Uh, there were a few panels I really liked. You know, just really really simple stuff like. Um, trying to find a, a good one i like this one where we're, yeah. we we the truck opens and this is where they expect to see millions of dollars and all their hopes and dreams are going to be solved and instead they just see you know a, a, i believe it's a mom and her child and then uh, a traditional point. yeah a traditional first point. issue that's where the issue would have ended you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and it it goes the extra mile by just giving us Four more pages. Mm-hmm. Four more pages is all we get, but it's enough to establish that there's a lot more happening yeah. under the hood. You say four pages, and I'm like, that wasn't four pages. That was that was more than four pages, you know? Right. Uh, but no, yeah. That's yeah, that's what Ed Brisson is cooking here. 
Absolutely. This is his wheelhouse. You know, um, he spent a lot of time doing like the Marvel stuff, New Mutants and that. And I thought he did good work. Um, But this is his bread and butter. And I'm so happy to see him getting to do an original story, you know, that's going to complete. You know, it's coming out through AWA 105. I'm sure we will get the full mini out of it. And I hope that enough people pick this up that we can see even more of Ed Brisson's creator-owned stuff come out. Ed Brisson's real good at, like, a strike team book. Like, his X-Force, not talked about enough. Great run on X-Force. Um, but, like, I even see little bits of that in this as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, this is awesome. This is, this is a really, really uh, good book. It's not my pick of the week, but, again, I feel like this was a stacked week. We pulled all the books, did did we not? I think we we all pulled all the books. Yeah, has that ever happened in the history of the comics, pals? Not for five, that's for sure. Yeah, so um, that's that's you awesome. I'm I'm passing on immortal the the, the, the text. Couldn't <laughs> get past. Can I? Can I? Just I, I know we're trying to move on. Just quickly, go I for have it. A, a rare miss. A rare lettering miss Ooh. from El Hau, Otsman El Hau. Uh, and the reason I call this out is because uh, it took me out a bit. Um, Otsman, uh, Hasada is, uh, if you follow him on Twitter, he does a lot of hand design balloons. Um, and when I saw these balloons in particular, um, I recognized them because he he said he took special care to uh, make them look uh, the way they do, sort of gritty, a little, um, you know, a little extra texture just for the flavor, you know. Um, so I, I recognized that. Um, but there were times when uh, the characters would be talking, and I specifically noticed it when they were uh, the the two brothers, Wyatt, and the other one were drinking. Yeah, and their their sort of lettering transition into like the last part of what they were saying felt off, like it wasn't quite what they. Uh, the, the the intonation that the lettering was giving didn't fit the vibe. I know what you mean, but I feel like it did fit the vibe. Are you talking Let's, about like when it bold certain letters or certain words or when it No, he's like talking about he's he's talking about and it, it's it's in the scene where the two brothers are speaking and he's trying to get his brother involved. You see this one right here that I'm pointing to where it's kind of like it's kind of like um, jagged a little bit, if for wavy. lack of a better word, yeah. wavy. Um, so that's what Kale's referencing. Now, I took that to mean that the character was kind of speaking like this, yeah, grumbling, right? Yeah, like so. Let's let's talk about a line. Uh, um, okay. So the brother goes, "Do this job, you'll have more than enough to buy yourself a fancy Winnebago or an Airstream or whatever you want to hit the road in style." And then he goes, "In my in my mind." Hell, maybe you can even buy a house without wheels. Like, kind of like lower, almost under the breath, 
And then his brother goes, Jasper, you can't ask me to, please. Like, like, don't ask me to do this. Yeah, like now, that makes sense. Yeah. I was reading it because I think I think in other books, uh, uh, a balloon in that shape would be more drunk, more wobbly. Hmm. Uh, whereas, yeah, that and and that type of dialogue would be, I don't know, maybe shrunken as like an aside. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It, it when I saw it. And that's how I knew where you were going, because when I saw it, I was like, whoa, what's happening? But then I kind of fell into it. And I was like, OK, I, I guess I see what he's going for. But, yeah, it did. It did strike me at first as well. Um, but good issue. Good issue. I, I, I'm excited to to get through this this mini. So and that's been your episode of The Lettering Pals. Thank you. <laughs> well, we love to talk comics on this podcast, so. Uh, Tyler, are there any comics that you've been catching up with outside of what we read today? Outside, uh, so I, I, I'll admit I haven't read this week, but I'm only one issue behind on the current uh, Captain America Cold War crossover. Mm. Um, it's fun. I, they're doing some fun stuff in those books. I gotta say, uh, where Bucky is this weird antagonist to both of them, and then you know you got Cap's son back in the mix. We're back in Dimension Z. It's it's uh it's poking a lot of the cap stuff I like, so I'm enjoying it. I think the uh Omega issue comes out next week or two weeks from now. So Yeah, yeah, it's definitely on the horizon. Um I'm not as far along as you are. I'm further behind, but I do enjoy the Bucky turn because Bucky's felt yeah. stale to me for a while. Very new costume, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I got a top knot, even though like people don't do the top knot as much anymore. But I think he's catching it at the right time where it's not overly done. So, mm-hmm. uh, Kale, you got anything? Uh, not comics wise, but I'm going to talk about it because it's related. I to to uh, X Men in particular. I uh, st- I've started reading Russian fiction. Oh, uh, oh. short stories specifically. Lolita? Uh, there's a uh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, there's a book uh, by a guy called George Saunders who teaches a class on short stories and like dissecting uh, Russian short stories uh, because they're so specifically microscopic. You know, they're so one note, very little actually happens in them. But when you look at them, actually a whole fuck ton happens in them. So when, uh, you know, at the end of uh, the issue, when uh, they said Peter's in a Russian novel, I went, I know what that means. I get it. (laughs) Uh, The book is called uh, A Swim in the Pond in the Rain. Uh, It's tremendous if you are interested in uh, dissecting fiction and doing like really close reading. It's very good. Apparently, Dan in the chat knows what you're talking about. So, Dan always knows what we're talking about. Dan always knows. Dan is on another level. The Uatu of the show. Atomic Hound said Shazam 2 continues the Wade and Mora streak. Yeah, I actually have been wanting to get on the Shazam train. I'm pretty excited about Mark Wade right now. Um, I have the first issue, I have the second, but I just haven't, uh, you know, taken a dive yet. Uh, for me, 
I've been reading mostly for the show because on Monday we put out an interview uh, for the uh, Ava's Demon book, Ava's Demon book with uh, Michelle Fuss, which you guys can check out. It's a really interesting conversation, I thought, about um, a very different, like we all probably mostly read Western comics and probably not so much web comics, webtoon, that kind of stuff. So for me, reading this was wild and learning about the process of someone who's been in that industry for over a decade and the way that, you know, it's changed and how their process had to change with it. Um, I thought that that was really interesting. So I had to read the Ava's Demon book. It was like 280 something pages, gorgeous art. Um, so it's a it's a it's a hefty one, but not as hefty as like if we were talking about 280 pages of a Western comic. Because it's just far, it's like far, far, far less sort of like story and paneling, I guess. It's it's very bingeable. It's easy to read, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I've been doing a lot of reading for the show. But uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I can get into some more interesting things. Like I've been dying to open my copy of New Teen Titans. Hey. Oh. Yeah. Is the that Judas still Disco Nightwing in that one? That's Disco Nightwing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's first appearance of Disco Wing. God, I love that suit. Well, I've never read the Judas Contract before, so I'm excited to dive into that. I'll be interested in what you think, but I think I know what you'll think. Well, I think I'll return here next week to talk about it. As you read it, I think you might start becoming, becoming, becoming a Teen Titans fan. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, are you are you okay? Contract. It's a it's, Oh, I give you jokes specifically that only you would get and Kale won't just to see the reactions. Uh, but I guess that went over both your heads for a second. But, yeah. yeah, well, you know. Want to talk about what we want to <laughs> yeah, let's talk about what we're looking forward to next week. Hide my bad joke there. All right, palace pool. So this, so our pill polls for next week are pretty much unanimous, really. A lot of crossover here. Um, so Sean wanted to check out Amazing Spider-Man 27. And I did not know this until I saw the solicits. Ed McGinnis is back. Yep. Ooh, okay, all right. I yep. love maybe, Ed McGinnis. Maybe I'm also pulling this. His Jeff Loeb Hulk run, so good. <laughs> oh, sorry. Wow. <laughs> I just had a, 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 Sean just a shit. I just had a PTSD <laughs> flashback. He's got an aneurysm. I don't remember who it was, that piece of shit that tagged me when we used to do comics tag to read that book. But boy, <laughs> oh boy, did I not like it one bit. And it that reading that again gave me flashbacks to the first time I read it when I thought it was so bad I couldn't get past like the first two or three issues. He has a gun. It's cool. Uh, and then Sean, you wanted to check. Uh, Sean and Kale wanted to check out something called Void Rivals. Whoa, 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 whoa! I didn't talk about Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, okay. I thought you were just complaining about Ed McGinnis. I wasn't complaining about Ed McGinnis. I was complaining about Jeff Loeb. Ed McGinnis is awesome, and I'm really excited for Amazing Spider-Man to move into the next chapter of storytelling. I've enjoyed this run the whole time. I think Zeb Wells is really onto something, and seeing him paired at least for this issue with Ed McGinnis should be a lot of fun. Up next. Well, actually, I have a question now. Do we think this oh. leads up to the Superior Spider-Man announcement we got? You know, I think so, because the timing of that is very specific. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. like as yeah. soon as the slits are coming out for this, now 
we get an announcement of that. So we'll see. Um, Void Rivals, New Kirkman. So a New Kirkman book isn't something that like inherently makes me go, yes, I have to get it just because I haven't really fully read anything that Kirkman has ever done. It's all just very long. Um, However, this seems to be the start of a new universe and he's promising some kind of major shocking secret that they're not even willing to tell us that we have to read the issue to find out. So that's exciting to me. A lot of people are really excited about this. I'm sure speculators are going to be going crazy. Can't wait. Yeah. going to be like Bush did 9-11. What? The secret. Oh, oh <laughs> but that's a fact, and it's a known. Never mind. Okay, never all right. Mind. Jeez, we're not say that for uh, pal- palling around. Um, that's what I'm saying is. Kale, yeah. you and I wanted to check out uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' new Night Fever uh, hardcover, right? I think it's a hardcover coming out. I think it's a hardcover. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm not generally I, – I don't generally go out of my way for these um, Brubaker, Phillips um, graphic novels. I probably should. Uh, but this one really caught caught my eye. Um I, the the art on the cover here is like nothing else. It's not um, typical for these two. Sorry, it's 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 atypical for these this this pair. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the premise is: uh, Are you the things you do, or are you the person in your mind? Uh, in Europe, on a business trip, Jonathan Webb can't sleep. Instead, he finds himself wandering the night in a strange foreign city with his new friend, the mysterious and violent Rainer. Uh, Rainer shows Jonathan the hidden world of the night, a world without rules or limits. But when the fun turns dangerous, Jonathan may find himself trapped in the dark. The question is, what will he do to get home? Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, and then just this last this last little uh, uh, bit. It says, Night Fever's a pulse-pounding Jekyll and Hyde noir thriller about a man facing the darkness inside himself. Done. I mean... Rubik I could have read that line and it would have sold yeah. me. Can't miss team for me. Like I've, I don't know anything I've read from them where I've been. It's not even been like, oh, that's good. Like everything I read is like, man, that was so good. You know, um, it's just such a consistent team for me. So like anything they do, I'm in for. I have to admit something mm-hmm. to you right now, Tyler. I thought the fade out was all right. That's my favorite one. I know. Uh, yeah. I know. Actually, I'll read. I'll. I'll, um, I'll reread it just for you. What's the What's the most? What's the one that you guys did? Uh, uh, the the murderer in New York guy. Killer be killed. The best one. Yeah, that's also a good one. It might be a toss up, but I think, uh, fade out appeals to my niche interests really well. So yeah, I think I think it also does mine. Can we do a book club where we can only we're only allowed to pick Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips books? Can that just yeah. be the whole show going forward? <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot we can read all of criminal they got the whole archie run that uh that archie-esque story in criminal so that would take a very long time um thank and, you uh oh. oh and i wanted to check out x-men red uh next week uh it's it's bringing back one of the characters from ten of swords or uh magneto no the the white sword guy who like has like he could bring back the dead armies and stuff um i don't know it's it's <laughs> more of uh, Ewing doing X-Men, which is my favorite X-Men right now. So, yeah. 
Sounds fun. Thank you guys so much for listening. Really, really appreciate all the interaction and chat. You guys have been fantastic as always. Hopefully you think we've been fantastic. I think we've been pretty good tonight. If you agree with that, of course, there are many ways that you can show your love and support. Uh, just being here is a lot of that. So we thank you. Uh, Patreon.com slash the comics palace is the best way to support your boys. You get access to a whole lot of exclusive content. Uh, we're going hard for you guys because you guys go hard for us. So thank you so much. Uh, next week, we will be live on Wednesday for Pals Pools. 6 p.m. still like usual, but it will be on Wednesday because we are all going to be watching The Flash. Um, so come for that. Remember, it'll be Wednesday. Saturdays, of course, you can catch the main show at 10.15 a.m. Eastern. This week, we'll be talking about the ultimate comics announcement, um, analyzing that, breaking that down. Uh, and I'm curious about... Who of us predicted that that's where this all would go? So we'll be talking about all that Saturday. Hope to see you there. You have the answer. Until next. Huh? You have the answer for that? I will. I know. I know. I know. Not now. But like, you, you always have these questions. I'm like, oh, I want to know now. So I will. Oh, I, know. I know the answer. Okay. Then I guess. I know one answer. And so will you guys on Saturday. Hope to see you then. Until then, we are the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week.